Welcome to Kidney Talk, a program of Renal Support Network, a show that streams health, happiness, and hope to the kidney community. You can download all Kidney Talk shows from iTunes and find a variety of resources to help you navigate this illness at rsnhope.org. Please welcome your host, Lori Hartwell, who has lived with kidney disease since the age of two. Well, welcome to Kidney Talk, everyone. Today, this is absolutely my most favorite subject in the world. And I have to tell you, I'm sitting here in my little recording studio uh, with my sound engineer, and I know that it's best to have my three dogs laying at my feet because they make me give a better um, podcast. They help me relax. They help me with everything. And I love my dogs. So when I saw a story um, about pet therapy and dialysis, I was like, hey, that's what we need to be doing. So I'm very, (laughs) I'm like, you know, I, well, because I did home dialysis and the dog was on my lap the whole time. Yep. Well, and today I'm I'm excited. We have Dr. Meredith Stenslin. She's with the University of Texas Health San Antonio, uh, and she's an assistant professor of research and psychology. So welcome to the show, Dr. Stenslin. Yes, thank you so much. I have been looking forward to this and am a big animal lover myself. So I I support everything you said at the beginning. (laughs) So, you know, how did it occur to you to bring, or what was the process? Because you decided to bring pet therapy into a dialysis center and see if it made patients feel more comfortable and adhere to treatment. Is that pretty much the in a nutshell? Yeah, absolutely. So actually, where my very first kind of exposure to to having therapy dogs in a medical setting was when I was a hospice social worker. Uh, which I did that for five years. And I I worked for a hospice who had what they called pet therapists as part of the care team. And so they would take their their pets, both cats and dogs, and um, visit the patients who were on hospice. And I thought it was just incredible. And, you know, patients who were in pain or anxious or scared or any number of things, I, I personally observed them um, respond so positively to those to those pet visits, and so I'd always had an interest in that, and, and supported the use of you know incorporating animals into healthcare. And so when I thought about from a standpoint of how can I maximize the benefit of this, I thought what what patient population a would benefit from a service like this, and b would would be available frequently to to get you know, those visits. And so I, I thought of dialysis in terms of, you know, this is a patient population who they come to this clinic three times a week and ongoingly. And so there's a very big opportunity for them to have more of that extended time and repeated exposures to the dog. So that is kind of how it came about. Well, and I've had pet therapy. I mean, I remember I was in the hospital and I was having a problem. Um, I was very anxious because I wasn't getting what I wanted. Um, and I, my doctor wasn't around, you know what I mean? You know, the scenario where sure. I couldn't get anybody. And one person said, bring the dog into Lori now, bring the <laughs> therapy dog into Lori so she could calm down. And, um, you know, they came with their little card and, you know, cause it was like nothing else was going to, yep. I was so anxious and upset about something yeah. not being done. And, um, yeah. you know, and it, it worked better than an Ativan probably. <laughs> Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, 
But it's so true because animals are calming and they give such unconditional love. Mm -hmm. Um, So tell us about what your experience was bringing them into the dialysis unit. Yeah. So, um, you know, overall, it, it was an extremely positive experience. It took a lot of planning, a lot of coordinating. Um, but in the end, it, it really was a successful trial in, in doing this, um, you know, what we called an animal-assisted intervention, right? And so we, we had therapy dogs, and we had a team of seven dogs, and the breeds were German Shepherds, uh, Shih Tzu, Collie, Rhodesian Ridgeback, a Golden Doodle, a Golden Retriever, and a Cockapoo. So definitely a variety there. And so what we did was take a group of patients and we ended up, it was just a pilot study, right? So a first run at this, we had a sample of 17 patients who we enrolled and then we split them into two groups and half received one dog visit a week. And then the other half received two dog visits per week. And then it lasted about 12 weeks. And so what we would do would be have the patients on the day that they were assigned to have a visit, they would arrive at the clinic and they would do a pretest where they rated things like pain and mood, um, their, their kind of their emotional state that day. And then we would kind of step aside and there would be the dog and they would get to interact with them for as long as they wanted to and or when they had to, you know, be called back to go start treatment. And then right after that, they would do the exact same assessment as a post-test. And so it was this pattern of, you know, randomizing the patients into the two groups, um, scheduling the different dogs, the pet teams on different days, and then doing a pretest and a post-test. And what did you find? So uh, one of the things, in addition to what I mentioned, pain and depression, um, one of the things that we tracked very closely was number of missed visits or missed hemodialysis treatments. And we compared that to the period of time before the dog started. So when I say that, I'd say we tracked number of missed visits in the 12 weeks before dogs ever came, and then the 12 weeks during the trial and made a comparison there. And I'd say one of the most standout findings for this pilot data was that comparison, the numbers, the discrepancy between those two. So um, among those 17 patients as a total, so cumulatively, before the trial started, they had missed 30 HD treatments um, leading up to the trial starting. And then during it, they only missed nine. So we, we had a reduction from 30 to nine missed treatments that probably, like I said, is, is one of the most primary findings of this study. Well, nobody looks forward to going to dialysis. Um, and if you're not feeling good, you know, you don't understand or you don't think, you know, it can be very self-destructive, you know, just t- kind of giving up, right? I'm just thinking from somebody mm-hmm. who was on dialysis for 13 years um, that, that you feel like, you know, oh, God, what bother? I just not up to it. I don't have the energy. Yeah. But if you have something to look forward to and if you know you're going to go see Fifi <laughs> – and, <laughs> you know, and you're going to see Fifi and exactly. Fifi's well, there to greet you. You know, it's dogs connect with you like nobody else in, in on the planet. And I I say that um, as a huge animal lover. And, you know, my husband and I started an animal rescue two years ago 
because an animal rescue closed that we all volunteered for. And so we created Paws for Hope, and we're about to adopt our 100th animal out. And Oh, my goodness. I mean— That is fantastic. I, I just, you know, it's like, I you know, I have nonprofit skills, right? And I'm sure. like, I can lend them to a rescue. Um, and, you know, we have a great group of volunteers. And I'm like, I might have to see if I can do this here. Sure. Because one of, our, one of our board members adopted a dog from us. And that dog is a therapy dog. And that dog okay. is only seven pounds. It's a little senior, like it's about eight, eight or eight years old, Mochi. I, she can't, I mean, you know who it helps the most? She takes it to the hospitals. The nurses want to hold it. The nurses yep. and the techs want to hold it. Um, and be- uh, Yes, I could say during this study, not even counting the patient visits, uh, we had about 80, almost 80 staff interactions or staff visits while we were there. Exactly. And, and they thoroughly enjoyed it, too. <laughs> I know. It's, you know, animals bring a layer of love to any environment, and it's invisible, but you can feel it. Yes. It's just so true. I almost tear up thinking about it, you know, because... You're spot on. You're spot on. I mean, that's that's the heart of this this research, honestly, is the bond that happens between that can happen between humans and animals. It's, and it's two ways, right? I mean, like, like you said, that's something, the rescue that you started has been so, you know, important to you. You're helping the animals, they're helping you, right? It's kind of this, this interaction, but that goes both ways. Well, and you know, right now, I mean, I hate to kind of mention this, but why we have the dogs in the the sound studio, because I actually have seven on my property. And (laughs) three are with my husband because he works from home. And he has the other three. I have some, you know, he has four. I have three. And we just decided to kind of secure them so they wouldn't bark during the recording, even though we're in a semi-sound area. You could still hear a bark. And and it's just really interesting. And um, I have met the most fascinating people, you know, because it's interesting to me. And I don't know if you observed this with your study. But as a patient, when somebody comes into a clinic, I observe everything they do. And mm-hmm. I change my perception with them if I saw them cuddling a dog or petting a dog. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's just in my genes. But when the nurse said, oh, let's get Lori, the animal therapist, in, you know what I mean? Like, she made mm-hmm. it happen and she was, you know, petting the dog. I felt like this connection with the nurse. Um, That was, you know, you really can't quantify it. But she realized I was more than my treatment. She realized I was a human, human with lots of complicated emotions. And I mean, you're, you're, you're skilled in this area, but my my litmus test of asking if somebody's depressed, you know, can have that big old test. Oh, I'm like, what yep. do you have to look forward to? <laughs> That's my question. And if they say yep. nothing, I guarantee you they're not going to score well. Yes, <laughs> you are right. I, I mean, isn't that true? Like people have to have something to look forward to. And when you have an illness, right? you lose a lot of friends sometimes or they can't handle it or you can't do the activities you used to do or whatever the reason. There's a lot of loss that comes with an illness. I was just going to say it's a, it's a, 
a grief-filled process to live with a chronic condition a lot of times. It, it, and it is. And animals accept you any any which way you are. You know, they don't care. As long as you love them and feed them and give them what they need, they don't they don't ask for anything. So it's uh, it's wonderful. So where is this? We're, okay, so you publish the results, and um, you know we'll put a link on the podcast page so you can see the report that came out. You were on the news, right? Yes, we were on. We were featured on a local news station here in San Antonio called KSAT, and they did a story on us and kind of showed some of the a couple of the dogs there and, and interacting with patients and um, interviewed some of the the researchers as well. You know, we did this at a U.S. renal care clinic and they have a fantastic research department and our partnership with them was what made this study happen. So um, definitely, definitely grateful to them. Well, and I mean, you know, I I know that, you know, Dr. Jeffrey Block is a huge animal lover. um, And, uh, you know, we've shared dog pictures before. So, um, (laughs) you know, it is. It's like, I think dogs should be part or cats or it should be a part of, you know, everybody's life. Um, You know, the one thing that I would like to ask you, though, is I encounter people who are like, animals are dirty. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Uh, animals are dirty yeah. and they can't can you just can you give some editorial on that? You know what? I, I will say we ran into that just slightly. I'm looking at some of the numbers here in front of me. We you know, we approached thirty different patients and only one of them was allergic and one was fearful of being bit and one said they might not like the odor of a dog. So I hear what you're saying. There, there's definitely some skepticism sometimes. Um, but what we tell folks is that, you know, these dogs are groomed regularly. They're brushed before they're brought into the clinic. You know, they have they have to keep a very, very high level, you know, standard in terms right. of their health and appearance and their grooming and all those things because they are. They're in healthcare settings. And so that, that part is absolutely necessary. But there's actually a body of research indicating that it's pretty low risk in terms of getting it some sort of parasite or infection or something like that passed from from the dog to the patient. It can happen. It absolutely can. But it, the, the risk appears to be pretty low. Well, and, you know, we have a whole section on rsnhope.org about pets and kidney disease, because I can say once a week, I see a post and this just makes me so angry. Um, I need, I need you, Sammy, come over here while I say this, my little puppy dog, Um, (laughs) is that, you know, my doctor told me I couldn't have any animals when I, if I do peritoneal, or I was told I have to get rid of my animals to get transplanted. And I'm here to say that that is absolutely false. The research backs it up. And it's it's sad because you could be, you know, and it's just coming out of per- people's personal bias. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like they just don't like animals or they haven't been exposed to them or they're just, you know what I mean? Like it's, and um, we constantly share information. We've had infectious disease doctors. Uh, do you know what they said is the biggest risk of any animal? What animal is the biggest risk to people who are immune compromised? Mm, I guess a cat maybe? It's a turtle. 
Because they carry salmonella. Oh. And, you know, he talks about cats. um, And he talks about how to care for them properly. And having them vaccinated. And how to deal with litter. And, you know, all the things that to protect yourself. Because really what it comes down to is good hygiene yourself. Washing your hands and all the other things. But I'm like, it's crazy. And it's like, you know, I know transplant patients who have turtles. They just have to be careful um, because of salmonella. And it's... um, Um, or sticking your hand in a fish tank and not, you know, all the different things you need to do to, uh, you know, you have an open cut or whatever. Those are, that's how you get sick. Um, and of right. course, you know, if you're around a dog who would bite or something, yeah. but you know, you, everybody should have their tetanus shot. Okay. <laughs> no matter what. Right. Well, and absolutely. And what I told patients when we were recruiting and, and kind of telling, educating about what the study was going to be. Uh, we had to really clarify these are not just quote unquote regular pets. They're not just normal dogs. Like they've gone uh, through a lot of training, right. a lot of obedience training. They've had behavioral tests. Um, they are observed when they do their visits. Like the handlers themselves, they go through criminal background checks. They have, uh, you know, all the current vet record. I mean, these are these are certified animals, right? Yeah, they have. Very, very, a lot of training and certifications behind them. So um, these are not your, you know, just run-of-the-mill dogs that are that are going into the clinic. And and the the question is, you, do they just meet in the lobby or chair side? So for this study, when you know, as it was, like I said, it was a pilot, a first run at this. We decided to do just the lobby. Um, you know, this is the first time we're bringing therapy dogs into the the dialysis clinic, and so we thought, let's get a feel for how patients respond how staff respond, um, and, and kind of test that in the lobby first. I can say we are very interested in trying to replicate this, perhaps actually back on the treatment floor, like you said, chair side, for a number of reasons. But from a logistics standpoint, it certainly would make it easier because sometimes the struggle that we did see with this um, from a logistics standpoint was patients would have their, you know, their day that they're coming to the clinic for treatment for whatever reason, maybe their van that picks them up was running a little late. They arrived to the clinic and right when they got there, boom, it was time to go back and get on the chair. But that point in time was when we'd want to do the dog visit. So it was, they're kind of a moving target, if you will, when they arrive, go through the, the lobby and back. If we could do it actually when they're receiving treatment, that's anywhere from three to four hour window, as you know, of an opportunity where they'd they would have a, a better shot at getting even maybe a longer, more consistent dog visit. So um, definitely, definitely something we're considering. Now, if others are interested in doing this or, you know, how would they go about it? Are you looking to expand it? Should we have people reach out to you? Hey, I might want to do it in California. I don't know. Maybe I could find a bunch of my puppy dogs um, um, <laughs> or friend, my puppy yeah. dog friends who have therapy dogs. Um, and, yeah. And, you know, because it is, it's a process. And this Mochi was a, sh- a dog that we rescued who was you know, in pretty bad shape. We cleaned it up, got its teeth taken care of, and now it's a superstar. I mean, it is the most sought-after dog because she's she's just so <laughs> cute, you know? She's from, from rags to riches story. Uh, how would they go about it? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And 
the short answer is yes. Please reach out to me. I can definitely give my my email address. Um, happy to talk with anybody who might be interested. But I think a good starting point would be to just do a quick Google search and look for local, um, you know, therapy dog organizations. I know there are national ones. For example, um, a couple of the dog handlers for that we had on our team for this study were certified through Pet Partners which is a fantastic, it's a, a leading national organization for therapy dog certifications. But there's also local organizations. So here in San Antonio, we have um, Therapy Animals of San Antonio, fantastic organization. We have Paws for Service, uh, another incredible organization. So those were our three partners for the, the therapy dog organizations. And so that's how it really started. We reached out. We said, hey, we're looking to do this. Uh, we want to study this animal-assisted intervention. Might you have any pet teams who are interested? And um, it kind of went from there. So I would definitely recommend seeking either pet partners or, or a local chapter and, you know, seeing if it, it could be added as a site visit at a dialysis clinic. You know, somebody has to take the initiative, and it's so wonderful you took the initiative because it could change the care of this community in a very positive way, and it's not really a huge expense. I mean, dogs don't charge oh. by the hour. I mean, I know that. They just they just charge in kisses and treats. Um, oh, you're spot, you're spot on. Because these these organizations are non-for-profit. They're, they're not-for-profit. So um, they're, they're dog handlers. They don't accept payment, even if you were to try. Right. So I'm sure they, they take are, a donation to the non-profit, though. There you go. But they are, they are volunteers at heart. They do this right. because, A, they're great at it, and, B, they love doing it. Yeah, that's what Charlene, I mean, shout out to Charlene because she got our dog certified that she adopted from us. And she, like, goes to she goes to conventions with the dog now. She goes to Children's Hospital. I mean, it's really fun. I see all of her pictures on Facebook, and all I see is happy photos when they are um, uh, yes. with this little dog, this little superstar. Oh, totally. And I have to say, you know, like I said, this study happened at, one clinic. It was U.S. Renal Care. Um, but as the name states, they have clinics all over the country. Right. And so I know that, you know, Martha Block and, and Dr. Eloriagic, he, you know, they said that they're having folks reach out to them at other clinics saying, hey, we right. caught word of this. And so there's, there's definitely an, an interest in it in expanding. Well, I'm definitely going to be bringing him up because um, I think it would be a wonderful thing. And, and having a rescue in place, I already have a lot of those connections. So um, it's it's really wonderful. And I think that, you know, I love people who are creative thinkers. And, and there's one thing to be a creative thinker, but it's a second thing to implement. And, and, you know, you know, people have ideas all the time, but they don't do anything about it. So a big round of applause for you for having an idea and making it happen because people like you change the world. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. And I, you know, I have to say the the dog handlers and Adrian, you know, Martha, Dr. Buck, like this study could not have happened without them. Honestly, they, they truly were the heart of the study. So I, I give a big, a big thank you and shout out to them, too. 
Well, in a big discussion now is patient-centered research. You hit it out of the yep. ballpark. You hit it out of the <laughs> ballpark. I just saw a study, and I read it, and I'm like, who's this going to benefit? You know, and I'm being honest. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm known for, you know, not having filters all the time. And, you know, yeah. like, really, was this really important to patients? Was this study? Yeah. What you're doing you know, is important. Oh, I, I, really, I hear what you're saying. And I, you know, I have to say, just aside from the research, which I'm clearly very passionate about, I, I've had a number of animals profoundly impact my life just personally. Right. My pet for years was a Great Dane named Jasmine. And, you know, she, she provided so many wonderful, wonderful memories and qualities and traits and support to me that I thought, how can I, how can I get this out to other people? How can I spread, spread more of that energy that animals can provide to, to people in need? So when, once you, you know, know what animals can do and what it's, it's, there's nothing that, that can duplicate that. And, uh, um, you know, more people we can educate about how beneficial they are, that it can really add a lot of love and meaning in your life. Um, and I think a lot of people just didn't have the opportunity to grow up with animals or be around them or, or got a bad sure. impression. And I think the more that we can educate the community, you know, that no, it's, yeah, there are some dogs out there because they're bad people that they were with. But that's not, yeah. you know, there are no bad dogs. They're only bad humans <laughs> that took care yes. of That's my motto, you know, I mean, um, and then they make the dogs bad. And, you know, we go for cats, yeah. too. We like cats. We like, you know, other animals as well. But cats would take a message and get back to you if they you asked them to be somewhere so um no, that's the truth i have to say i i've had some people ask me you know well this is just an intervention for people who already own pets that they already like dogs you know and i at least for our sample in this only half of them own pets right um you know there's a lot of folks who for whatever reason living arrangements or health condition you know just aging like they're not able to have their own pet anymore right. so this was, I can't tell you how many times it was really almost like a life reminiscent session talking about, well, I had this dog growing up or I had to say goodbye to this dog when I moved to this place. And, you know, so it, it definitely provides that interaction that some folks can't have anymore. Well, and it's interesting that you say that because I have been kind of promoting the idea of some people who can have a dog, like, you know, maybe you can foster for a rescue. Because sure. because then you don't have the responsibility of the dog. And let's say you had to go in the hospital or something and you have a really good rescue yep. behind you, then they can they can make other accommodations um, and Absolutely. you make a difference because fostering is a great way to help an animal and not have to, you know, care for it and pay for it um, if you don't have the resources. Yeah. So, um, well, wonderful, um, Dr. Stainsland. I and I'm just going to call you Meredith, okay, Meredith. That's thank fine. you so much. <laughs> you, you know, I mean, I, I think what you've done is groundbreaking. I can't wait to have a puppy palooza at some time with you um, and learn more about the great work you're doing. So, um, we will definitely forward you any messages of anybody who wants to speak to you about this program and. I'm so thrilled. Um, it's been a pleasure talking to you.
Awesome. Thank you so much. I, I really enjoyed it. Thanks for listening to Kidney Talk, a program of Renal Support Network. Please make sure to find us on Facebook or sign up for our newsletter at rsnhope.org. Kidney Talk is intended for informational purposes only. It is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment from your physician. Always seek the advice of your own health care provider regarding your medical condition.